You're listening to Hear Arizona. Addressing issues, empowering our community. Welcome back to Hear Arizona's Unaffordable series. I'm Madison Mulvihill. The last episode of Unaffordable was published in 2019. Back then, Katherine Davis Young talked about the rise in housing costs. And in the past two years, the increase has not slowed down. If you've lived in Arizona for at least a year, you've probably noticed that housing has been getting increasingly more expensive. For example, I bought my condo in spring of last year, and thank goodness I did, because it's now worth almost $100,000 more than when I bought it. Let's take a deeper look into where we are now in the housing market and how things have changed since our last episode. Back in July of um, 2019, the median sales price, so this means half the homes above and half the homes below, was 280000 In September of 2021, that price is 410000 representing a 46% increase um, just over that, that time period. So it, it's, it's significant. It's huge. That's Russell Deal. He's the designated broker and owner of Arizona Network Realty. 2020 was my best personal year, so it was great. And, and 2021 is going to be pretty close to that as well. So it is very busy, but it's been a very difficult year because when I represent buyers, I'm competing against 10 or 20 other buyers for limited housing. So it it definitely has made it more challenging. And that challenge Russell is talking about is due to a couple of things. Arizona is within the top 10 states people are choosing to move to. But we are in the midst of a housing shortage. So there's just not a lot of inventory and people flooding into our our are, you know, the metro area, 80% of the people that move into Arizona are moving into the Phoenix metro area. So with low inventory, um, there's another, um, you may be interested in wanting to know, there's another, um, I guess, statistic that I look at, and it's called market supply. Market supply measures the amount of months it takes to consume all of the inventory if no new inventory was added to the market. In 2019, the average was a little over two months. Now, it's measured at less than a month to consume all of the available inventory. It seems like 25% of the contracts were coming in from people from California. So what does that do? It's all basic 101 economics, um, supply versus demand or demand versus supply. And so that has put a lot of pressure on our prices And that pressure, along with the flood of people from out-of-state purchasing homes in Arizona, has made it increasingly difficult for Arizonans looking to buy a new home. Next picture. Okay, it's a zipper. What is it? Okay, so hand under your chin. Zipper. How many times did your chin drop? So how many syllables are in zipper? Jenny Shields is a first grade teacher at Union Park Elementary. She's been trying to find a $300,000 to $400,000 house to buy with her mom and her sister since 2018. Finding a suitable home within that budget has been hard for her, especially when other buyers swoop in with an unbeatable down payment. 
I know I'm not gonna get everything I want in the perfect house in this market because I can't afford it. It would have to be probably a $500,000 home in this market. So I'm seeing a little bit of both. I've seen houses that are gorgeous, that seem re relatively priced decently for the market and they're nice, but when you offer 20 to $30,000 over, it's not enough for people who are coming in with cash or people are saying, oh, I'll give you $50,000 more and waive my appraisal or whatever the case may be. So that the appraisal I think has been the biggest, the biggest hurdle for us right now. And homes are selling much faster than last year. Last year, they were selling in about 40 days. In 2019, they were selling in about 60 days. Now, homes are flying off the market in an average of 25 days. I'm seeing houses sell over a weekend. They become active during the middle of the week, and by Monday, the next Monday, they're under contract. Um, so 25 days is like, wow, I'm kind of shocked. Maybe for a house that maybe need more updates, there are some that are like, wow, that is in my range, but it's under 1,000 square feet. Um, for example, I looked at a house just last week, and it was 1,022 square feet. It was, pr for this market, and what I've seen, it seemed like it was priced decently. Um, and it was tiny. I mean, it was, it was, it was nice shape. It was, it was clean. I've seen dirty ones. So, I mean, it was clean, but it, it was really small. And I'm, I'm just thinking like, there's going to be three of us living together. My sister has a few dogs. I already have two, you know, it's like, I, we don't want to, I feel like my mom and I just are on top of each other now. And it's only two of us. So it's like adding a third person into something that's barely a thousand square feet for that price. And you're having to pay or give more 20 grand or more over asking price. Jenny says she's even facing issues with potentially purchasing fixer upper homes that are less than her budget. So even though, you know, what my budget is, I can't start looking at something that's 10,000 less than that budget because they won't look at that. Oh, we want, we want way more than that. We know we can get 20 to $40,000 over. So some that are staying on the market are ones that need like a gut job or a big rehab that I'm not willing to take on. And if she were to continue renting. And that's kind of what I've thought of, like, maybe I'll just rent for another year, but I can't rent for another year, sign a contract and then look for a house. And then I find one because then I got to break said contract and, you know, have the, how many months are left in it to pay that out. And I know that all my money is going to go to a house, you know, if I buy one. So there wouldn't be that money left over to do that. And it's just, it's very slippery slope. <laughs> Although finding affordable housing in Arizona, or housing at all, is an issue, there are organizations out there that are ready to help. LISC is a national organization focusing on the well-being of communities. LISC, or Local Initiative Support Corporation, operates in cities and rural areas across the country, collaborating with local community development groups to identify and resolve challenges. In Phoenix, its focus is the Metro Light Rail and surrounding neighborhoods. Terry Benelli is LISC's executive director. We work with, um, you know, residents. We work with our neighborhoods, the community, the actual residents that live in the community. Um, and we try and connect them with partners who can support their ideas of what a quality of life um, is all about. Uh, and then we try and bring resources and also advocacy to those um, desires to help make things happen in those communities. Affordable housing is the cornerstone of LISC's mission. Its website says, 
A safe, affordable home is one of the basic requisites of life, a key to individual health and well-being, and the foundation for sustainable, economically vibrant and diverse neighborhoods. So if we're talking about home purchasing and um, home buyer, they would reach out to our partners. And I'll tell you our interaction in that, um, in that kind of system um, is that we support the capacity building of a nonprofit to either enter into um, a home buying uh, program for folks that are of low income um, or uh, you know, expand their, um, the offerings that they have. But Lyft doesn't actually work directly with the consumer. We're working with those nonprofits to build their capacity so that they can serve more people. Um, and the kind of methodology behind all of that is that Lyft develops best practices across the country. It's her job as the executive director to tweak those best practices in that programming to fit local context and to find those nonprofits that have the desire to go into a home ownership program. Then LISC pairs them with other nonprofits here in the Valley and supports them with grant resources to build out that programming within their nonprofit. So really, if someone's looking for support to purchase a home, um, our closest uh, nonprofit partners are Trellis um, and Newtown CDC, which does uh, community land trust um, homes. Um, and they would go to one of those housing counselors to kind of get in the pipeline there. To get a deeper look into those nonprofits that are working directly with the consumer, I spoke with Patricia Duarte, president and CEO of Trellis, formerly known as Neighborhood Housing Services of Phoenix. Trellis is dedicated to helping people find stable homes by building affordable housing in Maricopa County and offering flexible mortgage lending products. It also offers housing counseling and homebuyer education. So we're dedicating to create stable communities and, and, and create stable um, home opportunities. And essentially it's doing community development work. We have a housing counseling uh, department that does home preparation. They, they assess people where they're at financially. They help set goals and they, they get them ready um, to ultimately be mortgage ready and able to purchase a home. And there's a realty component of Trellis where they list properties for sale, in addition to its real estate department that builds housing stock. Currently, Trellis is building townhomes. And we are a, a mortgage bank, so we provide mortgage financing, uh, down payment assistance, first and second mortgages to help people buy. And uh, we also have a community building and engagement um, a department that is working um, on a commercial corridor and working with the small businesses, the mom and pops, to, to provide them with strength and support so that they can, um, right now, survive this pandemic and help them with what their needs are. There's some storefront improvements. There's some revitalization um, work around this commercial corridor uh, on McDowell. There's been a lot of new art pieces that have gone up on some of the buildings, the beautiful murals that have been recognized. And so it's about um, um, raising community voices, hearing what the residents uh, need and want and, and helping and facilitate in that way. After the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, 
Patricia told me that things changed a lot at Trellis. They pivoted to telework and started a new emergency rental assistance program. And last year we helped over 700 uh, households, uh, just ourselves, and we deployed about $2.4 million. And uh, that was really meaningful and necessary. It needed to happen fast. So this year, they continued with that program. The ERA money this year is a larger uh, amount that we can help people with, which is wonderful. Um, it covers 12 months in arrears and uh, t- three future months uh, in rental payment, utility assistance. So all of that has been a new thing that we added because that's where our folks needed to, to, to get help in. Despite the issue of unaffordability coupled with the pandemic, Trellis was able to help 105 new homeowners last year. So this year, uh, the number is probably, we're not going to reach the 120 that we wanted, that we had set out to do this year, but we'll see. The year is not over. It definitely has become more difficult. Uh, You know, last year, the median price, I think, was about $325,000. The median average price now is 405000 So, yeah, a lot of people are getting discouraged. And, um, you know, we do tell them, don't give up. Keep saving. You know, this time is not time that will be wasted. It's time that where we're going to continue to save. We're going to continue to pay down debt. And the time will come. I am very optimistic that there will be opportunities in the future. But even though Patricia is optimistic... Honestly, right now, it, it, it feels like impossible because the competition, the shortage of housing is really contributing to this um, feeling of despair of not being able to become a homeowner. But the market, the housing market really has changed and the shortage is not a new thing, right? We, we knew we were heading this way, but unfortunately, um, more things complicated where we currently are at right now uh, in housing. Um, Investors have been very active. They always have liked Arizona for some reason. I know why. They see us as very affordable. And unfortunately, they come in and, you know, they take a lot of housing stock that our own people can't buy. The inventory that's listed for sale is going in less than a month. So if all of that was to be sold, Trellis would be out of inventory which Patricia says is a big problem for the organization and potential home buyers. It's not fast enough to keep up with the demand. And then we have a lot of people coming into Arizona. We have a lot of people moving to Arizona, and that's contributing to the shortage. Um, So it's a combination. It's a perfect recipe of a lot of things that are not helping us. Even though there are currently many factors that are causing prospective homebuyers and organizations like Trellis to have a difficult time, that doesn't mean that success isn't possible. Patricia knows of many success stories where goals seemed hard to obtain, and yet a light was found at the end of the tunnel. Every single story is a big celebration um, because everybody had a different journey. Um, I, I always go back to, you know, some that are really special um, an individual that at one point was homeless and now has been a homeowner, I want to say three, four years. What a wonderful story. And, and I like to share his story because 
he had a will, right? He had a desire and it took him three, five years, but he got to the point where he had savings. He participated in a match savings program. He had a wonderful credit score and he did everything that needed to be done to get to that point. He didn't start there, but it's possible. Organizations like LISC and Trellis aren't the only ones trying to fix the issue of unaffordable housing. City councils are working to see what they can do to reach out and help their communities internally. For example, Tempe Mayor Corey Woods has identified the issue of housing in Tempe and is making plans to do something about it. So the housing market clearly is steadily rising. And it's been a real challenge for people who are currently trying to get into homes. I mean, absolutely a seller's market. If you want to sell, you could probably make quite a bit of money. Uh, but the issue then becomes, as people will sort of joke about internally, well, I could sell my home and get a profit, but where would I go? Where else could I find somewhere else that's comparable in uh, Tempe or in the Valley? Mayor Woods actually had a personally difficult experience with trying to find a home himself. Uh, I actually sold my home back in June of 2020. And my initial thought was that I would probably try to purchase something else uh, within the city. And when I began to look at the home prices, now they're even higher now uh, than they were back then. But probably some 14 months or so ago, they were they were still higher than I frankly wanted to pay as a 42-year-old uh, single male with no children, no pets. And Mayor Woods attributes this issue to limited housing stock. And what was available was way too much house for way too much money. Uh, I still probably every two or three weeks go online and look at uh, Zillow or Trulia or some of these uh, apps that will show you available real estate. And there's so little stock out there right now that the prices of everything that's hitting the market uh, are incredibly inflated. So he's taking a look at his own experience, as well as the people of Tempe who are having a hard time finding affordable housing, and he's doing what he can to provide his community with as many helpful resources as possible. We came up with a plan that was passed unanimously by the city council in January of 2021 uh, called Hometown for All. And the point, the point of the plan, whatever, is to really spur uh, more in the way of affordable and attainable housing options. And the plan works with two different funding mechanisms under something called the Hometown for All program. For the first one, we will take 50 percent of certain permitting fees, mostly your building permitting fees. And instead of dropping that money into the city's general fund, which is where it went before, uh, we actually now take that money and put it into the city's uh, 501c3, which is called the Tempe Coalition for Affordable Housing, uh, which is sort of governed by the Tempe Public Housing Authority. And so that's so 50% of the permitting fees will go directly into that, into that 501c3 nonprofit and not the general fund. The second thing we do, though, is we actually set up a formula for voluntary contributions because we're not allowed to mandate them by Arizona state law, uh, but we are allowed to ask for voluntary contributions. So we set up a system that said for we, we're going to ask for 20 percent of the total permitting fees if you're building multifamily residential and 10 percent if you're building commercial or office product. Tempe City Council thought that between those two funding mechanisms under the Hometown for All program, they probably could raise about $2 million a year that would go into the 501c3 at the low end, or maybe even $4 million at the high end. 
uh, we actually ended up within about six months of the program being in existence. So from about the end of January 2021 to the end of the fiscal year, we ended up exceeding over $6 million. So they went well over what their projections were and are currently taking $1.2 million of those funds and doing the environmental remediation work on five city-owned lots on Apache Boulevard, getting those prepared for future affordable housing developments. Because one of the issues you'll hear from people who are in the affordable housing space is they'll say, we really need free land and, and, and clean dirt. The problem sometimes becomes, you know, we get a piece of property, but then you start doing all the remediation on the property and you begin to find things on the site that obviously slow down uh, the um, slow down the remediation, therefore causing delays and therefore raising the cost. And so the city sort of decided we wanted to take fundamental responsibility over these five city owned lots on Apache Boulevard and make sure that when we're putting something out for a request for proposal or RFP to an affordable housing developer, that they're actually getting a clean piece of land and therefore they can then deliver housing at the at the price points that we would like for them to deliver them at. So we're currently working on that right now and we think that given the money we've raised and how successful the program has been in under a year, uh, we truly think the sky's the limit. And so what happens next? Is more affordable housing in our future? And will the shortage end? According to Russell Deal, more affordable housing is in our future, but a few things need to happen first. Uh, certainly if Arizona would uh, continue to incentivize businesses to move here through low taxes, low property taxes, low income taxes, low business taxes, that'll stimulate more businesses moving here that can pay higher wages. And I think then as the supply chain gets back to normal, and we're starting to see that lumber prices are coming back now. So the builders can start building again. And so we'll have the inventory out there. And then I think we'll see the equilibrium come back into the market. Wages will rise, our housing will stabilize, and, and people will be able to have more affordable housing. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, my condo is worth nearly 100,000 more than when I purchased it. If I were on the hunt for a home currently, not only would I not be able to afford this condo, but I have a feeling this model wouldn't even be available. So I sympathize with the frustration and urgency people like Jenny Shields are feeling during this housing crisis. I'm ready to go, it's been a great, you know, little townhouse that we've been in. It's been perfect for us, but I'm ready to just have my own home and be able to do what I want with my own home and not have to, you know, put it back together or answer to anybody, things like that, so. The idea of the American dream suggests that if you work hard, you can live a happy and comfortable life here in the States. However, with current home prices and Arizona having one of the worst housing shortages in the country, hard work might not be enough. We will talk more about that in the next episode of Unaffordable. You just listened to an entire podcast episode about unaffordable housing in Arizona, so this issue must be of some importance to you. 
To learn more about issues with unaffordability and the organizations we profiled, visit our website, hearearizona.org. That's H-E-A-R, Arizona. Tell all of your friends to check us out, too. They can search for Hear Arizona on their favorite podcast listening app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, NPR One, Spotify. And since we're all about empowering our community, we want you to be a part of the conversation. Follow Hear Arizona on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This podcast series is made possible by the Nina Mason Polium Charitable Trust. Here, Arizona is a production of the Division of Public Service at Rio Salado College, which includes Sunsound, Spot 27, KBOC, and KJZZ. This episode was produced, written, directed, and hosted by yours truly, Madison Mulvihill. Linda Pastori is our executive producer. Thanks for listening.